Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Showing Up with Babs and Eve, the weekly podcast that is here for me and Babs and everyone else to show up for themselves, to talk about things that they've enjoyed in the week, things they haven't enjoyed in the week, things that they think are important to the world and that mean a lot to someone, to us. Um, <laughs> to humanity. To humanity. To humanity. So, um, so welcome back. If you're new, hello. How did you find hello. us? <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've listened more, thank you so much. <laughs> if you've been if you've been here for a long time or a short time, um, <laughs> I'm rambling now. So, <laughs> welcome back. We've just recorded our bonus episode as we have just completed a challenge, our morning pages challenge, and we've also set ourselves a new challenge, which is a take two on making a film every week. So, head over to that episode and give that a quick listen. It's not very long. And today we are going to be talking about international films. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the theme well, we're watching, kind of. International depends on where your point of reference is, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Films in a, a non-English speaking films, I guess. What, what what was that BAFTA category? Oh, the BAFTA <laughs> films in a films in in a non-English. I don't even know. It was so <laughs> so long. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But yeah, but films. But for me, films that aren't English or American, I guess. For me, it gets a bit more com- complicated. I was like, what is international for me? Is that for me, international is English, but then <laughs> yeah, it depends. So I was like, okay, neither of the languages that I speak in, essentially, yes. that's, yeah. those are the films that I have to watch. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that. Um, a couple of films that we've, we are recommending or not recommending. You'll find out. Um, but first, we are going to talk about what has stood out to us this week. So following up from last week's chatter about uh, the Chelsea and Manchester City game that happened in Porto, multiple flights carrying Chelsea and Manchester City fans returning from the Champions League final have reported passengers testing positive for coronavirus. What a surprise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you missed last week's episode, essentially what happened was a lot of fans, a lot of Chelsea and Manchester City fans came to Porto and they rarely wore masks. They were rowdy, you know, starting fights with Portuguese people and amongst themselves and yeah it was a bit of a palaver and now they've returned home and guess what five flights were reported to have been infectious so people on on those five five flights had coronavirus which meant that Portugal was removed from the green travel list by the UK so we're now on the amber list, not the green list anymore, just because of this uh, occurrence. Uh, the travel industry has criticized the change from green to amber, saying that it will threaten jobs and consumer confidence, with the boss of Heathrow Airport warning the sector faces another lost summer. So a lot of British tourists that are here right now have to return home uh, until Tuesday, 
and they had a five-day warning that they would change from green to amber. So changing to amber means that they have to self-isolate for 10 days upon returning to the UK, which is a pain because on the green list they didn't. So yeah, that's a pain in the bit because a lot of people as well from Portugal going to the UK or traveling either for their jobs and all of that. And it's just such a hassle to have to stay isolated for 10 days. It's just a bit, you know what I'm saying? And it's also really bad for the traveling, the travel industry and airports and air companies, I guess. Uh, my brother is also facing a bit of difficulty in that sector because he's a pilot. So he's on the brink of getting fired and it's just a pain for everybody, really. And it's all because of what happened in that game. Just a lot of tourists coming. Apparently there was a an increase from people coming over to Portugal by 17% in May, which meant that obviously the COVID cases here have been increasing a little bit, but it's not as much compared to the UK, like we're on a similar level. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a hypocrisy. But I have a hypocrisy that they they're doing this since they've refused they refused to put the game on Wembley Stadium, so Portugal was like, yeah, sure, we'll do it here, and then this happens. Yeah. They backstab us in the end, but also a fault of Portuguese government for allowing this to happen. So yeah, just a pain. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what stood out for me this week, and unfortunately, the people that suffer are the ones that are not at all related to the game and all of that uh, sad stuff. They're now saying that the reason why they're changing from green to amber is because there's an increase in the Delta coronavirus uh, mutation, Mm -hmm. which is the Indian one. But we have similar cases here in, in, in England, so in the UK. So it's just a bunch of blah, 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 trying to make up excuses for really what the real reason was. The freaking match. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That is the pain. What about you? Well, we'll stay on a we'll stay on a sad note. Not sad, but just <laughs> just a, just a, just a we'll go on a down. We'll stay on the stay on this level. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, a news article that I saw um, today. It came out today. I'm, I've surprised myself um, at how current this news is. Um, usually, I'm like a little bit late with my news about animal mut- mutilations um i'm not i'm laughing oh, it's not funny but it's just it's something that i don't say very often so com- it coming out my mouth mutilation sounds like Ugh. um but yeah so i a the sky news uh website published a article about the barbaric mutilation which is uh, the rise in ear cropped dogs in the uk so i don't know if many people are aware of this um it's been going on for a long long time uh, it's been banned in the uk but it's not banned in some countries in Europe. Um, but it's basically uh, where dogs' ears are basically chopped in half. So they end up, if you ever see a dog with like really, really pointy ears at like a weird angle, then no dog is like naturally like that. They've been cut like that and cropped. So, um, <laughs> what? I'm laughing at our ears because we're doing <laughs> this podcast with piggy ears. <laughs> We've got little piggy ears and snouts on. Yes. So any, if you see animals that look like that, that's because they are, have had their ears cropped and um, it's really inhumane. It's basically most of the places that do them, they're not trained um, vets. 
So they're people that have just figured out a way of doing it. And sometimes there's no way that they can tell if the dog's had correct anesthesia, um, numbing, anything like that. And then after that, it's incredibly painful and irritating for the animal. They often heal really badly. They're like open wounds, basically. You're cutting a piece of an animal off and letting it heal by itself just for vanity reasons. It's awful. And apparently they've obviously been putting together some um, research. <laughs> I couldn't think what the word was then. Some research. Um, oh, so it's the RSPCA, PETA, Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, and the British Veterinary Association. According to the BVA, um, in a survey of 522 vets, 58% have said that they have seen an increase in animals that have come through their doors that have cropped ears. And 61% of the vets have said that numbers have increased since just last year. So in this last year, there's been a massive increase in them seeing animals, not for any, not because they're like unwell or anything, but they just genuinely see animals that have cropped ears already. And the Battersea Cats and Dogs Home say um, if it, it took just one dog in with cropped ears in 2016 and they took in 12 in 2020, which doesn't sound like a lot, but obviously there's an increase there. And the reason this has caught my attention mainly is because I've been seeing a lot on Instagram recently of influencers and celebrities with dogs with cropped ears. And Ugh. there's been a lot of uh, backlash from it. And I was actually... Um, something that I was sort of <laughs> oddly got sort of sucked into um, through one of my friends from school. She works for a dog food company. And so she's like hot on it when it comes to sort of these kind of things. And a celebrity from Love Island, Eyal, I don't know if you know him. No. Okay. Well, he was on Love Island and now he's a model. Um, he's an influencer. He um, bought a new dog. Sorry, no, he, um, he's a ambassador for the RSPCA. Mm. And he really outwardly is very supportive of animals and which I believe, I believe this to be true. Um, not that I know him, but this seems to be the case. And he commented, he was seen commenting on another ex-Love Island contestant's post. They had just got a new dog and its ears were obviously cropped. And he was like, oh, mate, beautiful, so pleased for you. And people jumped on him like, what are you doing? Aren't you an ambassador for the RSPCA? You know, this is illegal, right? So basically these dogs not only do they have their ears cropped in Europe, but they're then imported from Europe. So then, then they're traveled all the way through Europe into the UK, kept somewhere and then rehomed as like security dogs or like you get a lot of Dobermen that have them um, with these like really sharp pointy ears. They're usually kind of bigger dogs like pit bulls or um, to be honest, it seems like any dog at the moment. I've just seen pictures of just so many different breeds of dogs that now don't look like they're supposed to. And people are calling them designer dogs. And there's just ah, more, more that's people. disgusting. Yeah. So people basically looking at celebrities and footballers and influencers and seeing them with those dogs. And they're like, I want that dog. And I want that dog. And so people, there are companies that are obviously somehow getting these animals over from Europe and selling them. Um, and though they're not doing the mutilation themselves, they're still kind of part of this process. The system, so. yeah. Yeah, so it's really, really Oof. awful. And I, I feel like it's not something that's... I'm glad it's being talked about a bit more, but I feel like it's something that's not being discussed enough. I feel like I'm I'm more aware of it after seeing that because this guy, Eyal, had to do like a public apology on his Instagram because people were really, really upset about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the guy who actually bought the dog did this really half-assed thing of like, I love animals he's my animal now, I'm going to look after him. So what does it really matter kind of thing? Sorry, I, sh I should have done my research a bit more. 
that was kind of it. And if, yeah, it's just a bit, I think his name's Scott. Scott something. He's from Love Island. If you know him, you'll know him. You give him a look up. But he, yeah, I can't remember his name. He's not an important person at all. But I feel like it's now become part of this influencer thing. There's the, there's the clothes, there's the hair, there's the teeth. And now there's the dog. The and, accessory dog. Yeah. And it's, it's worrying because if there's an increase in it, even though people are trying to clamp down on it, clearly there's more demand. So it's going to keep happening. And this article was based on this dog called Zeus, who um, was one of a litter and the entire litter had had their ears cropped and they were seized in Bristol um, in January because all of them had had that done to them. And they were basically just like the ears are like, not to be too graphic, like stapled, closed. They're like the wounds. It's just really, really nasty. These poor little animals that are, you know, they're, they're being bred when they don't need Yuck. to be bred. Like it's, it's all just, it's all just yucky and horrible and wrong. Um, so yeah. It's like you're in the dark ages, isn't it? Just these yeah. people think that they own everything. Yeah. Like I own the dog so I can do whatever I want with it. It's just like, it's a thing. It's a, it's an animal. It's a being like, yeah. why do you think you have the right to do that with it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Oh yeah. God. It's, um, it's a big problem, big problem. And um, yeah, loads of people are now having to apologize for it, for having but their dogs. Yeah. But it's the same with the tails, isn't it? Cutting dogs' mm. tails and cats' tails. It's the same. I always yeah. found that since I was a little little girl, I always <laughs> found that completely absurd. I was like, why why would you do that? Yeah. Just for the aesthetic. I think that's so ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you, a Neanderthal? But yeah. you think you own the thing? Uh anyway, yeah, same point, but it's animal. just ridiculous. Yeah, it's you know, these are intelligent animals. And it's just, it's just wrong. It's just really wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So <laughs> there's not really a way of spinning it. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for it. Call people out if you see it. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not okay. And dogs don't naturally look like that. And if you see a dog like that, they've been imported from Europe or they've been bought illegally. So, um, yeah. so yeah, just keep an eye out for it. But I'm pleased to see that it's making real headline news, not just the kind of people you know the the soft news for those that love animals so mm-hmm. yeah so have you got anything else you'd like to, to that stood out for you? <laughs> yes <laughs> on a completely different note yes uh the bitcoin conference Ooh. big happening from 4th of june to i think 6th of june which is today that we're recording so it's the largest bitcoin conference that it's ever happened and it's happening in miami with huge queues to get in, even though people have bought the tickets. But apparently, I think they might have oversold the tickets or something because I know uh, that some people that were speaking there, well, you know, Max Kaiser was there and Stacey <laughs> Herbert again. <laughs> Kaiser Report, probably like the fourth time that I'm mentioning them. Um, but anyway, Max was a speaker there. He was the first one to come come in and like start the bitcoin um, talks i guess mm-hmm. and basically some people had to to conclude the last thought that i was having so some people had to be kicked out by the fire marshals just saying that there were too many people in the in this facility where the talks went or were being held they had to go outside and wait or see it in, on the screens and stuff, which is ridiculous. Like if you pay for that ticket, you want to go in and watch the main mm-hmm. main guy, especially Max. Yeah. Stacy couldn't even stay in and she had like a speaker a wristband. So she, yeah, so it's ridiculous. But anyway, Max guys, I came in into the stage 
He was like this huge, huge character just wearing all white suit. And he was like wearing purple glasses, really like really crazy looking. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pumping the crowd. And he was like, fuck Elon. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. And Twitter got mad. Like it went berserk. Um, And Elon actually responded to this by changing his avatar picture on Twitter to Bitcoin. The backstory here is that Elon Musk was, so he invested in Bitcoin a while ago and then he removed all this cash after he'd made a lot of money from it. And then he started saying that Bitcoin was really bad for the environment and all of that and just started trashing Bitcoin and then started promoting his icon coin, which is a Dogecoin. Um, a doge doge coin that is worth way less than bitcoin really so and then he elon went on a trolling spree and yeah it's been a lot of people in this conference were just like saying that elon has gone mad that he's an egomaniac that he owns a lot of money he's made money out of bitcoin and now um, he's taking the money out and then just trashing Bitcoin now that he's made his money. Now he can trash it, right? So he made actually 101 million from his investment in Bitcoin so far. Okay. And then he took it out. Um, he got rich. But now he doesn't want people to get rich of Bitcoin. So he's not promoting it, essentially, is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Also, funny fact, did you know that Tesla makes mo- a lot of its money from selling carbon credits to other companies? No. To other car companies that are not making their ca- carbon emissions um, credits, I guess. I don't know what you call it. Cap yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting. I thought that was kind of hypocr- hypocritical of them. Tesla earned 518 million from sales of those credits in the first quarter of this year, which is an increase of 46% over the same quarter in 2020, which is a lot. Mm. Yeah, this apparently only represents 6% of Tesla's revenue, Tesla's revenue, but still, it's quite a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for a company that says that Bitcoin is contributing to global warming, is it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because of the mining and the the amount of emissions that are emitted from these big, I think it's Bitcoin mining. They're saying the Bitcoin mining is really negative for for the environment. But But it doesn't make any sense because he's selling credits. Yeah. Carbon credits. And he makes a lot of money off the carbon credits, selling it to other companies that don't meet these standards. It's just very hypocritical of Elon. Mm -hmm. And so anonymous... Oh. responded to it by making a video essentially saying you know elon you're crazy you are the son of a south african mining company that oh. i know it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> i know you you basically you know you've always had money you contributed to apartheid mm. Your family did. And now you're saying you're going to freaking colonize Mars and you're the best thing that's ever happened to Earth, essentially. So 
It's just crazy. Everybody's jumping right over him, I guess. Now, just uh, saying that his egomaniac reign is coming to an end, mm-hmm. and everybody's seeing um, behind his facades of being this millionaire good guy. You don't have millionaire good guys. Like I'm, uh, like, I know, that's but such it's, a, that's such a blanket it's statement. Really but I just feel like they clearly don't understand. You, nobody needs that much. Nobody needs Money. that much. So yeah. I just think surely you'd, you'd get to the point where you stop earning. Because you just think, you know what, actually, this is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm sure there are, obviously, I mean, good guys as in, I'm sure individually they are very nice people. <laughs> I don't mean in terms of them as people, but I just mean just them as business people. I don't think yeah. you can have billionaire, millionaire good guys. It's not, I don't think it's the, there's not, it doesn't fit <laughs> together, that sentence. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Or it doesn't fit that it. There's when you're an owner of so many companies and you promote very different things, you're gonna end up in a hypocrisy scandal, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have different companies doing very different things, and then saying that you want to be green, then you're going up to space, which is the opposite of green. So I mean, it's yeah, it just is hypocritical. Yeah. And then just one more thing to put the lid on it. What's the name thingy Fine. that goes with Elon? That's so. Horrible. But yes, Grimes, let me show you what she posted, which is really odd. She is kind of odd, isn't she? She is odd. I love her music. Great music, though. <laughs> Good music. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> I have a proposition for the communists. Um, so typically, most of the communists I know are not big fans of AI. But if you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to communism. So, if implemented correctly, AI could actually theoretically solve for abundance. Like, we could totally get to a situation where nobody has to work, everybody is provided for with a comfortable state of being, comfortable living. AI could automate all the farming, weed out systematic corruption, thereby bringing us to as close as possible to genuine equality. So basically, everything that everybody loves about communism, but without the collective farm. Because, let's be real, Enforced farming is really not a vibe. Ooh. Oh, so <laughs> Ooh. Also, all I keep thinking of is iRobot. Has anyone seen that film? Is everyone? I know, right? I mean, someone has to program them. I know. It doesn't end well. And like, <laughs> we have automated farming already. Yeah. It's not AI. What could AI help us with in farming? Oh, I just, I don't, I don't know enough about it to really intelligently comment other than they just sounds wrong <laughs> it does doesn't it it sounds like yeah. it's going to be abusive power and who's going to be the master mind behind all of it elon yeah it's the people just... the tech companies mm-hmm. so who's going to win from it the millionaires yeah communism yeah. is not good like oh uh, it's just wrong it's wrong we cannot know oh no, she's she's silly. She's silly. She's silly. The conversation she has with her husband should stay between her and her husband. Yeah. I think she, she well, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She's odd. She's odd. Yeah, people freaking out about that. Like, ooh, that's not okay. Unfortunately, it also kind of ruins his credibility slightly as well by mm-hmm. association, which it shouldn't, but it kind of also does because you're like, well, she's kind of said that now, so yeah. and everyone's heard it now, so you can't really take it yeah. back. And she's your wife, and. Yeah, not wife. I don't even. I don't. Are they not even married? Know if they're together. No, no, no. Oh, I know they have a kid, but I, I just assume that they were. No, I don't think they're together. Are they not? No, oh, she's just crazy. Yeah. Then. 
<laughs> she's not crazy. She's not crazy. That's rude. But she's just got some outlandish ideas that I feel like she can show mm-hmm. on the internet, sure. But be prepared for people to say things bad. Yeah. Sort of and it's easy for her to say when she's in a, in a really good position of being married to one of the richest men alive. Yeah. So obviously she's got a lot to benefit from it. I mean, she could go, she can go live in Mars. Maybe you should colonize Mars and stay there. <laughs> yeah. And never come back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you, you go do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are together. They're just not married, but they are together. Okay. They, they are together again. Okay. Because they, they had broken up and then she got pregnant and then I don't know what happened. After. Yeah. I think they got back together. I don't know. She was. But, but yes. And that is all the news. Very that interesting. Got. Very interesting yeah. though. Very, very interesting. It's always interesting, but very interesting. It's, I, I feel like I get these weekly like updates on like Bitcoin news and I'm like, yes. I know. <laughs> and then I can go and tell everyone I work with, they're like, oh, I'm really intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone listening can do the same. So you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, follow Max and Stacey. Yes. Stacey Herbert and Max Kaiser. The Kaiser Report. The Kaiser Report and the Orange Pill Podcast. They've changed the the tune, the theme oh, tune as well. It's more, it's, it's a bit cooler. It's more like cool 90s now. Oh, nice. Maybe they've got more listeners and now they're like, we cannot have this crazy, crazy <laughs> thing anymore. The world is big. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. But yeah, do you have any other news? I do. I do actually, just to round it off nicely. Um, on my animal news segment this week. Um, so I don't know if anyone else saw, but last night uh, there was a article published about Magawa, who is a mind-sniffing rat. So Magawa has retired from sniffing bombs and saving lives. Uh, and I think it's very, very sweet. And I'm looking at the picture at the moment. It's adorable. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for the last five years, Magawa is a rat and... Um, he has been used in Cambodia to sniff out landmines and to alert his human that there is a mine there so that they can dig them all up again and stop people getting blown up. So it's very, very impressive. And Magawa has been given a medal for service. So for the first time, so I'm just going to read this from the Observer article. So for the first time, it won a British charity's top civilian award for animal bravery. Um, and it's an honour that's exclusively been reserved for dogs in the past. But um, for the role that Magawa has played in saving lives from land mines. He has been given, an, a, given a little medal and it's just very sweet. And if anyone wants to have a look, there's a cute little video. Um, he's adorable. He's not one of those like horrible little rats that you see in like <laughs> round the London streets. It's like uh, gross. He's really, really sweet and plump and cuddly looking. So, so yeah, I thought I'd just share that if anyone hadn't seen. Um, <laughs> it's very cute and it's amazing as well. It's also just incredible that... This charity, this nonprofit, they're Belgian. I don't know what it stands for, but it's the A P O P O, the Apopo. <laughs> um, okay. If you want to say it, it's the Popo. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, uh, let's have a look. So Magawa has cleared more than 141,000 square meters of land, the equivalent of 20 football pitches, sniffing out 71 landmines and 38 items of unexploded ordnance. According to the charity. Wow, that's a lot. So it's it's amazing. It's amazing. But apparently he's in good health. He's just slowing down a bit and it's time to take him off the front lines. So don't worry, everyone. He's fine. Uh, he's just going to sit in a little retirement home with a little rocking chair and nibble his nuts. <laughs> with his medal next to him. Yeah. When I was a youngster. Um, <laughs> received this medal of honor for participating in this war against mines. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's all. That's all I've had to say. Um, 
for what stood out this week but yeah check it out it's lovely very cute Now moving on to our watching, reading and listening segments, mm-hmm. Eve, uh, this week was about foreign language films and media consumption. So what have you consumed this week that was very foreign to you? So I, for this week, I've chosen to talk about two films, one Japanese and one Chinese. One uh, film I have seen many, many times. It's one of my favourites. And I thought I'll give it give you a talk about it also didn't watch any of the new ones so um, gotta put that content in um, yes <laughs> I will discuss uh the new film that I watched first and by new film I'm going to seem like such a absolute film novice for never having seen anything by these people before um and by these people I mean Studio Ghibli <laughs> I don't mean the Japanese um so <laughs> just in case anyone gets that mixed up <laughs> by these people before <laughs> cut all of that out let me start again <laughs> <laughs> we I need to keep it in it's too funny <laughs> <laughs> no no okay right well I'll do another bit and you can just pick um so the first film I want to talk about is not a new film it came out in 1988 um and it is my neighbor Totoro 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 my neighbor Totoro uh have you seen it before no Okay, good. Yeah. It always makes me feel better. <laughs> I've not seen a film by these people. <laughs> <laughs> these people. <laughs> Studio Ghibli or Ghibli. No, I think it's Ghibli. It. Ghibli sounds funny. So I don't think it's Ghibli. <laughs> people are going to be like screaming if they're listening and they know. <laughs> um, but basically, so when I went to film school, there were some people that were obsessed with Studio really? Ghibli. Obsessed. Um, seen everything they'd ever done and I was always a little bit hesitant to watch it I don't know why it's it's anime um, oh right and I think maybe that was why I don't know whether I was just never particularly like that kind of style animation appealed to me that much um, but I've resisted watching any of it for years uh, until this morning <laughs> um, when I thought I'd give it a go so all of the studio Ghibli films minus one um, so I think 20 films are now all on Netflix. So you can watch them all if you've got a Netflix. Goodness, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I went and did a quick Google of the best ranked films. And My Neighbor Totoro is number one. And it is gorgeous. It's so good. Is it? I was literally like, oh my God, I've been missing out <laughs> all these years. <laughs> it's stunning. So um, Miyazaki is the head of Studio Ghibli They don't make films anymore There was like a whole big thing Where they decided that they weren't going to be making any more films A few years ago um, But he's like the mastermind behind it He'd been involved in directing other animations Before And then set up his own studio And produces all of these films um, So there's Spirited Away, My Neighbour Totoro Pony, Okay, it's Pony. part of all of that Yeah, yeah um, Kiki's Delivery Service I think they're all just they're all made by them It's just beautiful it's so so stunning so it's known for its gorgeous artwork obviously with it being an animation but it is just beautiful and yeah I just feel like I need to make sure I'm not just like saying adjectives beautiful (laughs) Um, but it's basically just the plot so let's start there so it's about a father and two girls um, who move to a new village they move to a new home and the girls are very little. So there's a four-year-old. And then I think she's probably like 10-ish. So there's May, Mai. I can't remember how they say her name, who is the little girl. And then I think it's May, 
And then there's, uh, I literally only watched this this morning, I can't remember, Satsuki. Satsuki is the older girl. But they move to a new town. You don't really know anything about them. There's no, like, setting up of the premise. Um, but it turns out that her, their mother is in a hospital nearby, so they've moved to be closer to her. But again, you don't really know what's wrong with her. And there's never, throughout the entire film, any feeling of, oh, my God, something really bad's going to happen, which is kind of lovely. But it takes a little bit of time to get used to because I feel like we're used to this sort of very obvious thing of everything's fine oh no something bad's gonna happen oh they try to resolve it it gets even worse and then it all goes mm-hmm. okay in the end there's not that <laughs> um, oh good which kind of yeah took a bit of getting used to but once you settle into it it's just wonderful it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily plot driven like that's the basic plot um and obviously I'm not going to tell you what it is because anyone that's not seen it it's kind of ruin it but um but it's not really about the plot um it's just it got such a nice feeling to it. So basically the two girls move into this home and they're told by the people that live around them that it's a haunted house. And a lot of the Studio Ghibli films are based on like spirits and Mm -hmm. ghosts and things like that. There's just like a surreal aspect to all of them. And um, these girls see these little things, they call them the dust bunnies. Um, And it sort of develops from there and they end up meeting someone called Totoro. Uh, and you'll have seen the pictures because they're everywhere. Like you, you, people have got like decals on their laptops, T-shirts, like literally it's everywhere. Totoro is everywhere. And I feel like I can at least understand what it is now and that it's really sweet and lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's just really, really interesting. They live by this big tree and it's all about respecting the forest and thanking nature and Japanese culture of just respecting everything around you and it's just it's just really really sweet the music like the score is stunning and the sound design is just so intricate and lively it's just so engaging and it's not really very fast-paced there's all they take all their time you know putting in these tiny minute little elements that really make you just sit and watch and listen um, and just you just feel like you're like with the kids of just the, like the wonder of nature, which <laughs> sounds really really gushy, but it is. It's just it's just lovely, really really lovely. And I feel like I want to watch all of them now. <laughs> it's got me hooked. It's got me hooked. And yeah, they're just lovely. It's only an hour and twenty six minutes, so it's not very okay. long. It's just it's just really really great, and it's definitely not for kids. Like obviously, it's kind of aimed at younger audiences but you don't feel like you need to be a child to appreciate it because it's just they they communicate what they're trying to do so well that even though you're older you can appreciate what they're trying to do but yeah oh that's good I've always wanted to watch Spirited Away which I guess is by Studio Ghibli Ghibli. maybe I'll give it a a proper watch now that you've recommended the studio yeah yeah it's on Netflix um that's what I've put down to watch next my dad tried to well, my dad put it on when I was a lot younger when it came out, I think in 2004. So yeah, I was nine um, and it was freaked me out. So we never Yeah, there are some scary bits, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that put me off um, the whole lot <laughs> until this morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm desperate to give them a watch. But yeah, everyone should check them out if they've not already. It's a very peaceful film. You feel like you're just like caught up in the loveliness of it. Mm. So I'm looking forward to seeing some that are a bit darker. Because I kind of like the kind <laughs> I'm of tired of the light <laughs> Yeah, like the kind of the ghost thing Like death and different realms It's just interesting And I feel like they'll tell them in a really nice way Not in a, 
we're all doomed and death is terrifying kind of way. So. Mm-hmm. Not in such, such a Hollywood disaster mm-hmm. kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was my first film. Should I go with my first film then? <laughs> yes, I think you yes. should. <laughs> I hadn't seen Parasite until yesterday, essentially, <laughs> at around 2am in the morning. Well, today, actually. <laughs> yeah, and I was surprised. I mean, obviously, everybody knows what the film is. So it won four Oscars. It was Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best International Fe- Feature Film. And it was the first international film to win the category of Best Picture as well in the 2020s Oscars. So it's it was huge. It was nominated for 330 awards and won 100. 197 times which is crazy 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 and it was directed and written by Bong Joon-ho I don't know how you say his name just call him Bong it's hard to describe what this film is without giving too much away it's got in a way it's a simple plot but the story is so good and and you can really relate to how they are living, how they're surviving and what motivates them to survive the way that they do and how they overcome that or not. It's just quite interesting. It's very confronting of the way that they live. So it's essentially a South Korean dark comedy about a poor family that infiltrates a wealthy family's household by scheming to remove its current employees, which I, you know, the driver, tutors for the kids, housekeeper, etc., and they use a lot of energy to in 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 these crazy schemes to just be able to live a little bit like the wealthy people, and experience a little bit of their lifestyle and all of that. And they become quite parasitical in a way, and they're just trying to scheme their way to to stay as long as they can and to experience that wealth without having really to work for it in a way but just like latching on to them and just living by proxy in a way not that people that work like for for wealthy people are like that but these guys were uh until they realized that they weren't the only parasite parasites around and that's when things get a little tricky because apparently there are lot of cockroaches around <laughs> trying to do the same thing they are mm-hmm. so it's really interesting I'm not going to give it anything else away it took me a long time to actually watch the film you know when people overhype something mm. you kind of lose your interest in watching it but obviously it was overhyped for a reason because it's bloody good and mm. um, the story is really good the, f- the filmmaking is great the actors are great everything's great so <laughs> give it a watch what I was really interested in was actually in the director's story, Bong's early career story. So essentially in the early 90s, he completed a two-year program at a Korean Academy of Film Arts. So he graduated in film, making films. And then he made a couple of films and he also collaborated on several works with his classmates, which included being a cinematographer for one of uh, highly acclaimed shorts that his buddy did. And he eventually suffered uh, like severe hardships for being for more than 10 years working on film production, which kind of made me like relate. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, this guy has like a it's huge okay. <laughs> yeah, he has a huge hit film, wins a bunch of Oscars, but he also has come from 
you know, working really hard and struggling a lot and earning really a terrible salary for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's he overcomes all of that and then becomes this huge filmmaker, which is just really inspiring. And he also did a degree in sociology, which kind of explains where the idea of parasites came and also, I guess, his background in earning so little for so long made him uh, aware of the parasitical, how to live in a parasitical way, I suppose. I don't know how he lived, but I totally understand. Apparently he barely made enough to buy rice. So he had to borrow rice from his university alumni. Wow. Yeah. So he was really poor for a long time. So well done for him, for all of his success. That's crazy. Crazy good. Yeah. It must explain, explain a little bit like why he was so enthusiastic like I feel like he's probably that kind of person anyway but when he won it was so he would just like an outpouring of just like oh my goodness like I'm so grateful like I can't believe this is happening because I mean obviously he's it's the first time as you said that an international film has won Mm -hmm. but also he was just so enthusiastic about it that oh yes you can kind of see if if he's been on this journey that it kind of explains it Mm -hmm. yeah well yeah makes sense (laughs) Mm. Mm mm-hmm what about yeah. your your second film or thing? My second film. Well, I was just about to say, I also agree Parasite is amazing and not what I expected at all. Mm-hmm. Did you find that it was like very twisty and turning? I was like, oh, I think I know what this is. And I was like, no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not very to give it away, but it's just, yeah. So yeah, I'm just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and very real as well, the screenwriting, I thought. It wasn't yeah. like pretentious or anything. It was just like very raw, very yeah. human nature you like. You can relate to them quite a lot yeah. very easily. Like they've got a good relationship. And that little song that's in it, I can't remember. I used to know what the that's song was. Song. Remember it was like, you are someone and that's your cousin. I'm. It's a way that they remember everyone's relationships. It's in the trailer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like, your, your name's this. You know this person. This person's my cousin. And it was just like this little song that they did. Yeah. Rehearsing all the lines, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's just so funny. Um, okay, so yeah, moving on to my second um, film. So this is a Chinese film called House of Flying Daggers. Ooh. And it's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> love it so much. So it was made in 2004. It was directed by Yimao Zhang. Okay. Um, I feel like I want to, I, I feel like I need to like have a little bit of a look at how you pronounce Chinese words and Me Japanese too. words just I to understand what X's and ZH's sound like. Because I feel like I've assumed and like what what vowels sound like I think it would just be interesting because I keep saying things wrong and maybe I'm saying them right and I just don't know anyway so that was the director and yeah as I said I didn't actually re-watch it this week but I'm desperate to watch it again but I've seen it so many times um that I just had to talk about it I think it did really well at the time when it came out it was it was put forward by China um, as their entry for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, um, but it actually wasn't nominated, but it did get a nomination for Best Cinematography and the sort of cinematography okay. stunning. So it's a, here's another awful pronunciation, a wuxia, wuxia. And it's basically, because I remember learning about this when we did Chinese cinema at university. It's a word which is given to these different genres basically of Chinese film. So this one is a wuxia, which is a martial hero story. So it's based on the adventures of martial artists in ancient China. So a lot, it's, it's basically Chinese genre film and this is what, what this is. And it literally means martial vigilante, martial hero. 
So that's the story. Well, that's the premise of the story. Um, but the film itself, I'm just going to read a little bit of the plot from Wikipedia because I just want to get it right. And it's a nice little summary. So it's set in AD 859 as the Tang Dynasty declines. Several rebel groups are established, the largest of which is the House of Flying Dakers, based in Fengtian, uh, who battles the corrupt government that oppresses the people. So we like the House of Flying Daggers. Its, me- yes. <laughs> its members use special throwing daggers that always hit the target to steal from the rich and give to the poor, gaining the support of locals. Two police officers, Leo and Jin, we love Jin, are ordered to kill the leader of the group within 10 days, a task that appears to be impossible as no one knows who the leader of the House of Flying Daggers is. To accomplish this task, Leo meets May, another May, a blind dancer who is suspected of being the previous leader's daughter. So Jin proceeds to assault the jail and set May free pretending that he's a rebel sympathizer to act to get May's trust. But as May and Jin travel to the Flying Daggers headquarters, Leo trails behind, but May and Jin fall in love. Because <laughs> it's a <laughs> Surprise. Um, it's just beautiful. So, um, you know what? I'm not, I'm not actually going to try and pronounce the actors' names because I know I'm going to get them wrong. Um, but it's it's just it's just beautiful. Everything about it is stunning. The music, just give like the theme a listen on Spotify if you want to. It's just beautiful. So, so, so amazing. And it's basically May is blind. And there are these massive set pieces where she's basically, she's been captured and she's just basically used for entertainment, kind of like a geisha sort of like for these the skill that she has that she performs for like the court and they throw these stones at these drums and she's got these big sleeves on her um, kimono and she's like hitting all of these drums and she's doing all these patterns and it's, it's incredible these set pieces that they've done the production quality is insane um, and it's just everything that you'd want from like a Chinese period romance drama thing um there's just you know walking through the bamboo forests and this beautiful colors and meadows it's just stunning it's just stunning and it's a love story as well but it's i don't want to give anything away but it's kind of romeo and juliet in in vibe it's two people oh my god of course <laughs> can't be together uh it's, it's just stunning really really stunning beautiful 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 i recommend it to anyone it's yeah that kind of I I was checking out the film right now Mm -hmm. and uh funny thing the film that I watched also has the actress yes yes Yes. she had I know she had like a bumper year in western cinemas because I I thought that what film is it the film that I watched was Crouching Tiger Uh, Head and Dragon that's it yeah I do remember that there was I think we I remember us buying both and House of Flying Daggers being the one that I was just like, this is insane. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, we'll try and pronounce her name. It's Zhang Ji. Uh, I was just going to say Zhang Ji. Zhang, yeah. but it's probably Zhang. Zhang, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We should, yeah, probably look it up. <laughs> we should do this because it's it's bad that we haven't bothered. Um, but yeah, if you love romance films, or you love period films, or you love 
crazy people spinning around defying gravity matrix style yeah. it, it ticks it ticks all those boxes it's just stunning and it's beautifully paced and the music is just tragic you just know it's not a happy story throughout the entire film there's never a moment where you feel like hey this could end well it's not you know it's not um it's just like devastating it's gorgeous it's gorgeous it's gorgeous love it oh god so i've gushed enough so i think you should probably talk about my uh, your the one that i watched dragon. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so well big surprise crouching tiger hidden dragons the one that i watched mm-hmm. and directed by ang lee who actually recently won a bafta fellowship award and i actually this one was released in 2000 mm-hmm. so it's probably the predecessor to the whole chinese film being big in in the western hemisphere but yeah i remember it coming out which makes me very old i guess <laughs> And it's a loosely adaptation from a book of the same name that was written by Wang Dulu. And it's got the same things that your film had, Eve. The crazy aerobatics, uh, martial arts aerobatics things. And people are just flying. They're not even pretending to be jumping. (laughs) They're just flying around. (laughs) which is actually quite fun I thought I I was going to find it really ridiculous but I really enjoyed it so this film has beautiful aesthetics like it's so gorgeously gorgeously shot I thought so the film begins in the 19th century Qing dynasty in China in what I assume is a lot like a village called Wudang and this is a place where swordsmen are trained and used to be trained by this master teacher who eventually was killed by Jade Fox, which is a lady uh, who sought to learn these Wudang skills. But this guy was probably just really against women and didn't want to teach women. So she was like, F you, boop, I'll murder your ass. Jade Fox kills him. She runs away. This guy's trainee, who was Li Mubai, played by Chao Young Fat. And so Li Mubai was trained by this Wudang leader, master thing, who, and then in the beginning of the film, you see that he'd gone off to meditate somewhere up in the mountain, but ended up returning because he realized what was missing in his life. And and what was missing was right in front of him the whole time, which was obviously a romance with Yu Xu Liang, which is played, oh. who's played by Michelle Yeoh? Yeah, I don't know. Michelle would say. <laughs> then there's a conflict because you and Mubai and Xu Liang, they are kind of scared of admitting their feelings towards each other because of a reason that I, I will not mention. So you can watch the film and be yeah. surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the beginning of the film, Mubai returns, right? Says all of that. And she's like, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Don't know how to react. And then Mubai has this 400-year-old special uh, sword called Green Destiny, which he asks Xu Liang to take it away from him because obviously he's retiring. He's realized that he wants a calm, simple life because of what he wanted was right in front of him. He's a bit torn and whether he wants revenge or he wants just to live his life, revenge from the lady that killed Mm -hmm. the master. And so he asks Xu Liang to give the sword to Sir Te in Peking. Mm-hmm. She goes and invites him to meet her there when he's done doing whatever he needed to do. And he says, yes, or oh, maybe. He says, maybe. <laughs> so Xu Liang goes off to, to put, get the sword to Sir Te 
And in Sertes' place in Peking, she makes the acquaintance of Yu Jianglong or Jen Yu, they call her, mm-hmm. uh, which is played who's played by Zhang Ziwei. The and she plays the daughter of a rich and powerful governor called Yu. And she's about to fulfill her duty as a woman by getting married to help her dad progress in her career. But instead, you see that Jen is fascinated by Xu, who actually is actually also trained as a sword swordsmanship or whatever. She's trained as like this ninja lady mm-hmm. on the side. You know, <laughs> meant, I don't know if people are meant to know that she she knows all these things. Okay. Um and Jen shows real enthusiasm for wanting to travel and make her own life. And just like, she seems really naive and just like wanting to explore the world and being just like really fascinated by wanting to be a free woman and doing, making her own path in life. And obviously that isn't naive, but they make her seem that way. And then she says, you've got to fulfill your role in life as a woman, which is you have to marry this guy, you know, Jen is like, okay. All right, but she she just like brushes it off, and then one night this masked thief comes into town and decides to rob this sword, the Green Destiny sword, and uh, the guards see this masked thief and wake up everybody up, and then Shu runs after the masked thief, and they they start fighting and running on top of roofs or really flying, gliding across the roofs. And she notices that this freaking uh, thief is really skilled in, in the Wudan style of fighting. Mm. And she's like, what the flap are you like? Have you been to Wudan? And this ninja's just like, bah, bah, bah. Yeah. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> and runs off. And then eventually Li Mubai comes around and he helps Shu to find whoever this masked thief is. And eventually you find out who it is. And it is, well, I found it obvious. (laughs) (laughs) But so do the characters. And that's really interesting. Okay. So they know, but they protect this person. Oh, okay. And so the story evolves and this person ends up being a bit closer to them than they imagine and this whole story unfolds and then they recover the uh the sword again and then it goes missing again and then eventually they see the jade fox and see that jade fox is related to this mass thief and all of mm-hmm. that and the story unfolds and a lot of stuff happens and you see like this la- very different landscapes in china that i wasn't aware that there were like this desert in china i didn't know mm that there was mm. and you see mountains and bamboo forests and all of that and it's just so beautiful yeah. mm. and the fighting is really cool and the characters are really interesting I thought and just really not uh, conventional it's really about female power this film as well yeah nice <laughs> which is really nice yeah and it just made me want to really watch more Chinese films and period films, mm. which are very different to like British period films, completely yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just maybe you want to watch more Chinese stuff, really. Since uh, I saw that Ang Lee won the BAFTA fellowship, I've wanted to watch a film of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed, for example, Brooklyn Mountain, The Life of Pi, Sense and Sensibility. And one of the films that I really want to watch is Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. I don't know if you've ever watched that. No, no. It came out in 95. I don't remember that one coming up. Neither do I. I've probably not <laughs> Yes. 
yeah, it's just I love the film. Beautifully shot. And oh, some yeah. of the scenes are like legendary, I think. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen everywhere, like for example, a bamboo fight. Uh, she's like moving her head. Her, she's got like hair strands on her face like that. And then she's around bamboo and all of that. And oh, she's just moving so really cool. slowly. That that shot is like beautiful. Yeah. It's only like half a second, but it's just beautiful and it's really well known. <laughs> yeah. Oh but yeah. I need to give that a watch then. It sounds good. It's funny that we've gone for like not intentionally, but very like well known films. But I feel like you sometimes you need a good in. Like it's you need an, an entry point. Yeah. yeah. To then get into more. Cause I know like a lot of the time like China has like a history of um, propaganda film, like any country. Mm. Um, but I think that's gone on a lot longer than it has in, say, like Britain, for instance, like with the war and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that people do class these kind of films as like, there's like, I guess, like with the dynasties, there's different like ages of Chinese filmmaking. And this is very much, this was like a very much like nostalgia kind of period of time and the same in like the UK with like heritage filmmaking but mm-hmm. I just love there's just something so romantic about the stories yeah and seeing a completely is. different setting and a different kind of even though it's very subtle because I guess both of these films did well in western cinemas because they were more aligned with how we tell stories but still there are differences that you just think like huh that's really cool that's really interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and refreshing. they're really poetic at least mm-hmm. I found this one really poetic yeah I'm just Really lovely messages, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Gorgeous. Yeah. Do you have anything else to, to add? Um, nothing that's uh, foreign language or international. So no, not really. I mean, there are like, there's a few films and I forgot to actually just only popped into my head that there's a film called House. House. Mm. Um, it's a Japanese film that I watched in my final year at university. And I think it's only recently come out or it re- I think it recently did, or only in the last couple of years, it got released in Criterion um, as like a cult classic. And I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's a Japanese horror film called Hausul. And it's a good like <laughs> mixture between, and I say it like that because like at the beginning, it's like Hausul. And it's basically a haunted house. Um, yes. <laughs> comedy haunted house. All these girls are in together and they're all like in love with someone. They're already like, they're all like giggly together. And then one by one, they'll get killed in crazy ways. Um, so if anyone fancies a horror, that's just popped into my head. But other than that, there's nothing that I can talk about in detail. So you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if this is really international. I guess it is, but I'm not reading in that language. Um, I'm really uh, Marcus Aurelius' book called Meditations. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> is that international? I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Of course you are. Of course you are. (laughs) So this was a book, well, a series of 12 books uh, written by Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius. That was an emperor from, or he wrote this from 161 AD to 180 AD. Uh, He's obviously one of the daddios of Stoicism. Stoicism is is an interesting, would you call it movement, I suppose. Um, Okay. So this little book, which is, that is very little. I, I thought it was going to be way bigger. So it's a small book. It contains 12 little books inside uh, that chronicle different periods in time of, of his life. And um, that really exposes the teachings that he learned from all of his mentors and the things that he's grateful for having learned and all of that. And 
it's almost like in bullet points. So it's quite easy to digest. Sometimes the language is a little bit hard to understand. I don't know if it's because I, it's, this is in Portuguese and maybe I just don't speak Portuguese that well anymore. I do not know. <laughs> uh, some things are really hard to understand. Uh, so you have to focus a little bit, but yeah, it's just, it's just really simple and it's uh, stoicism. So it's essentially like be an integrous person, a person with integrity that doesn't um, fall prey to crazy desires um, or just crazy bouts of jealousy or of greed, just be a person that is patient and that listens to everybody, even though inside you might be an impatient but it's like that kind of self-constraint to, to just keep this integrous integrity intact yeah just about living life in a sort of regimented way i suppose mm. just in the way that eventually is going to make you proud of yourself i suppose that's what it is and then he said he had a lot of mentors from I don't know all the names, but <laughs> but I know that one of them killed Caesar. Um, yeah. One of the twelve, I think. Is, it, is that the name of the yeah. guy? Brutus sounds about yeah. that. Little Brutus, and um, he talks about Hippocrates and all of that. Well, and then the other point that Marcus says is just like there's no point in or trying to control everything and over things in how nature works that we just we don't know how they work, and so just leave it be just accept and then move on just do what you actually can do it's about empowerment self-empowerment just do whatever is in your grasp to do and forget about other things that other people do that are outside of your control essentially so it's just a bunch of meditations around that and his life lessons oh it's really nice nice yeah yeah and it's easy 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 enough to read just like little bullet points and then you can just you know forget about the book for a while and then come back to it and then you learn something new <laughs> that's nice yeah cool look at that then do you look do look that's good nicer yeah, than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> it's definitely international i think yeah i think so i mean it's greek i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean so they've had a big influence on obviously like the western world but i feel like they're like it's it's been absorbed into us but Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely still international. Indeed. Well, yeah. that ends our international week, I guess. Our for- yeah. Foreign language week. <laughs> our foreign, la- foreign language week. Yeah. Foreign. <laughs> um, it does. It does. It's definitely given me like a taste for wanting to like watch different things. Like I feel kind mm-hmm. of almost disappointed. Like this last week I've been writing, writing, writing for uni and any- I haven't just not been watching stuff. And it's disappointing because there's a few films that I definitely want to watch. And I feel like now I've got through that barrier again of like, oh, I can watch films in a different language. Like they don't, you know, I'm still going to enjoy them. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like opened up like like a whole other door to... A different dimension, isn't it? It's just a different world. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like it's done the same for me. And also I think it'd be interesting to do like like a a decade film, like Mm. watch films from this decade and that decade. And that would be, that could be really interesting. That would be really interesting. I'd be well up for that. Maybe maybe we could do that next week. Yeah, I'd be cool. I'd be keen. Yeah. I'd be keen. Cool. Okay. Take it away. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening uh, to our podcast. Hopefully this has inspired you to put on your wings and fly over to the land, the foreign lands and explore different cultures and different cinema styles and different stories that you've not heard before. 
and uh, to get out of your shell a little bit and your bubble definitely happened with me this week mm. which is lovely and follow us on uh, Instagram at showing up Babs you because uh, we're going to be posting our videos there for our challenge and if you have any comments any reviews anything that you'd like to add any film suggestions any media consumption suggestions email us at showingupbabseve at gmail.com i did say the ad before <laughs> you did but you said it in the right place as well so it's I fine did. you said the word at and then the at <laughs> so <laughs> good 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 yeah leave us a review if you'd like and uh thanks to our new listeners from florida as well yeah hey hey guys <laughs> hey florida <laughs> we see you <laughs> there's this other country as well i forgot what which one it was but yeah we've got new listeners so welcome welcome yes thank you for joining us and listening to us ramble about things that we are interested in <laughs> it's very nice of you to listen <laughs> is that everything i think so yeah Well, thank you very much, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.